All alone and broken hearted Trying to calm the raging battle in my mind In search of many answers That my troubled soul just couldn't seem to find Praise God I saw a flower blooming where there was no rain or sunshine. And I knew not that this flower would change the rest of my life. I found a lily in my valley. I found strength when I was warm. When I was warm. I found a place to leave my burden to praise God. I found refuge from the storm. A place where I trained my dark skies to beaming rays of sunshine. my valley heavy blooms all the time so if you're down and broken hearted and you just can't seem to find peace of mind you're searching for your answers but your problems are getting worse all the time Oh, just lift your hand to Jesus. He'll take you in and he'll break the ties. Praise God. He'll be the lily in your valley and you can watch him bloom all the time. He'll be a lily in your valley. When you're warm, when you are warm, he'll be the place to leave your burdens. He'll be that refuge from the storm. From the blues all the time I 
Stay away. 
Strength, you're my defender. 
Lord, my refuge in the storm. Through these trials, you've always been faithful. of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord and these are the days of your servant Moses righteousness being restored and though these are days of great trial of famine and darkness and sore still we are the voice in the desert crying prepare ye the way of the lord behold he comes riding on a cloud shining like the sun at the trumpet call lift your voice it's the year of jubilee and out of science new salvation And out of science till salvation comes. Thank you, Jesus. These are the days of Ezekiel. The dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant. David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as white in your world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on a cloud. Shining like the sun at the trumpet call, just lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee, and out of science till salvation. Oh, behold, he comes riding on a cloud, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee. 
Jehovah. There's no God. Oh, praise God. Oh, no. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, he comes riding on a cloud, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Jehovah, there's no all oh, I Jehovah. said. There's no God. Oh, thank you. No, there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Behold, He comes riding on a cloud, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Just lift your voice.
shake before you the demons run and flee oh at the mention of your name king of majesty there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the
something God put on my heart begin last week last week I said something about we've got to go back to living right we've got to go back to the absolutes back to where it's black and white the difference is like day and night we have got to go back to living right there's something missing in this generation we have stepped back and began to want to live both sides of the fence. And God is not pleased with that because we're his children. He wasn't pleased with Israel, and he turned them to, into bondage as his people because God does not play favorites. He's no respect to person. Today, I want to talk to the young, and I want to, I want to address this message kindly toward not only the ministers and the teachers, but the young men and the young women of today. Because we've got a lot of young that I know are seeing a divided world. They see it in their elders. They see it in our government. I've had people to tell me they ought to get rid of everybody over 60 because they're too old to make a decision. So they get rid of all Congress and make everybody under 60. And I thought, well, most of us didn't grow up till we got 60 or didn't learn enough to be able to make a decision. But the real truth is, 
I understand what they said. Because when you see the adults making bad decisions, you worry. You worry that somebody has not got discernment in their heart. Somebody doesn't see what God sees. And I want you to know something. God is going to look right past you and I, and he will talk to our young people. If you don't hear what God is saying to you, he'll go right to the youth. And you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going to bring it out because I believe Apostle Paul in the book of Titus, that's where I want to go, and I want to go to the second chapter. But in the book of Titus, I believe there was a message coming. Apostle Paul had wrote to Titus, and he had brought him the truth. He brought him some things about the aged should be an example. They should teach the young women, the elder mothers, the elder uh, aged Christian women ought to be teaching the younger and the aged men ought to be teaching the younger men and uh, he began to go through a lot of things that, he, that they need to live by but see I believe God's come to a place where he's passing our generation to the younger generation he's trying his best to raise up a people not doing it their way but to get a hold of God and do it God's way because obviously our generation is not doing it God's way Okay, I'm not trying to condemn nobody. Please don't get upset at me, but I'm going to tell you exactly what I, the way I see it. And that's what I feel like God was laying on my heart this week. In the first verse, or the seventh verse, I'm going to skip down to verse 7 of Titus. Because I want to deal with that until the, uh, to the 15th. There's nine verses there, but I'm going to split between them. Between them, I'm going to use a couple of other scriptures and places, but I want to start with the first one, which is verse 7. And it says, In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. Now, uncorruptness is purity. Now, I want to tell you something. There's none of us pure. None of us, we all need a Savior. We all need Jesus Christ as our Savior. We all need forgiveness. None of us measure up. I don't care how good you think you are. I'm going to tell you something. Before God, before his word, you'll come up guilty most of the time. But God has given us his son to pay our price and that we live in a day of grace. And even when we know the spirit of God is convicting us, we can go back to our knees and say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to get back on the road and walk the way I should. Now, we know that. I've talked to people here that are elders. I can tell you right now, all of you know that. You've heard it most of your life. But the young people are watching us for an example, and sometimes I wonder what they're picking up from us. The other word is gravity. That's seriousness and sincerity, which is Real, honest, no deceit, and no pretending. We put on a false face sometimes, Christian. Sometimes we're not teaching our children the right thing. You can put a smile on your face. You can dress you up nice. You can have blessings of, of things and yet not be showing your children the way to God. It's not in those things. I want you to say something right now to the young. Don't seek the pleasures and the rewards now of this day. Seek him and let him do it in his time. 
It's God's time when he'll bless you. He'll raise you up. He'll make you know that I'm walking with God and I'm his child. And you know what? Mom and dad can't give that to you. Uh, I can't give it to you. Nobody can give it to you but you coming to Jesus Christ. And let the power of the Spirit of God come in your life and he will help you to grow and to learn of him. You won't have to have the teachers of everybody following what everybody else is doing. You can follow him yourself. And I'm going to tell you something, that takes a boldness. That'll take a boldness in your generation, young. It'll take a boldness in your generation. You will have to be different than what your friends are. Quit trying to fit into what they're doing and begin to fit into what Jesus said. And I promise you, you'll get rewards that you never saw before. God will open doors to you that you never saw. God will put you on a pedestal and make you somebody. And you'll sit back and say, but I ain't nobody. But God keeps on lifting me up and encouraging me and making me to be an example of him. In Matthew 5, 13, you've heard this. You don't have attorneys. I'm just going to read a few before I get to the next verse in Titus. But in Matthew 5, 13, you've all heard this. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, Wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth, thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. What is that talking about? We've lost our savor. You know how many times you can dress a nice meal up? You can put it on there, the plate, and it'll look beautiful. But if you don't put no salt or no seasoning in it, it can be so bland. And you'll take a couple of bites, you'll say, Man, that looks good, but it ain't no good. Something's missing. Well, let me tell you something, Christian. You can look good. You can come to church dressed up. I can wear a suit and try my best to look as best as this, this body can. But the real truth is, if I ain't got something inside that's real, then all that outside stuff's garbage. And we ain't showing Christ at all. It's no salt. And the savor word means flavor. There's no flavor. We got no flavor to us. We're not compelling anybody to be like Christ. We're compelling them to come to our church and give money. Well, you know what? We don't want the money. We're not after your money. We're after you to live for Jesus Christ. That's what God wants. God's not telling you come and get rich. God's telling you come and get wealthy inside of here. Then you'll be happy, you'll be satisfied, you'll be content, and you'll have something that's eternal right on past this world. It's forever. You know the Holy Spirit will never leave you. It's in John 14, I believe it is. But he says the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. That comforter, when he comes, he'll be with you forever. That means right through the grave. That means right through everything. The Holy Spirit ain't never going to leave me. Long as I hold on to him, long as I finish my race holding to him. In the 16th verse of 5, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're not letting our light shine that people may see the good works. If you'll let your light shine, God will do the work. All you got to do is bring Christ with you everywhere you go. 
Let your light shine, people will see it. God will make them see it. And I can tell you, I don't care who you are here today, if you've ever been around true Christian people, they'll shine a light on you. They'll make you feel guilty. You can't hardly enjoy stuff because you'll feel guilty. Let me tell you something, that ain't because of us. That ain't because of me. That ain't because of you. That's because of Christ in you. He's the one that shines, not me, not you. He will shine. He'll let your light shine. He's the light that shines through us. In 1 Timothy 4.12, there's one verse that says, Let no man despise thy youth. Listen to this, young. Let no man despise thy youth, be, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Let me tell you something, young people. You can do this. Why? I'm telling you, that's what Paul's telling Timothy. You can do this, young, the young. You can live this. Let your light shine. Let the word shine through you. Let conversation, in your conversation. Don't try to fit in what the world's doing. Fit into what God puts in your, in your mouth to speak. If you fill his, your love and your heart with his words and his truth and his faith and his strength, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? His love, his words, his truth. And they won't be able to deny it. It'll be there. In Hebrews 10, 23, he says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he that is he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another provoking to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting. Exhorting means to urge strongly. Strongly urge one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. We need to be encouragers. Young people, you want to make it. I, I remember Tim's, Tim uh, Freeman's son, Aaron, when he came here years ago. And I'll tell you something, he was a young man. But don't get in his way, he was going to talk about God. You open up the conversation, wasn't he like that, Tim? He couldn't be quiet about Christ. He could not keep from raising his hands and praising God as a young person. And I thought about him when I was reading that. I thought, you know what? We need some young people to be like Elijah. We need some young people to be like John the Baptist. Don't care that I love Jesus. He's my friend. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. Our young people will go right by us, elders. Listen to me. They'll breeze right by you because God will lift them up. And he'll give them words and love and truth. And they can walk this. And there's many here, many young that are doing that here. I want you to know something. I'm not casting you out. I'm trying to tell you there's many there. But don't get discouraged and don't deceive others around you. Be true to who he is. Walk this true walk with God. The second verse in Titus, I want you to read, is verse 8. It says, it says, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Now, it started out in showing thyself the pattern of good works. Now it's talking about sound speech that cannot be condemned. He that is of the contrary part 
may be ashamed. They will be ashamed of themselves. If you walk the truth, I don't care how much fun they make of you. I don't care what they think of you. When it comes down to the truth, down inside, I've had people at my work criticize me when I was young. They would criticize me and put me down. And you know what? Sometimes I didn't even hardly know them. They just hated who I was. They hated that I was a Christian. I've had them make fun of me. I've had them to come into the lunchroom, sitting with all the guys, and they would start asking me open questions right out so everybody could hear. They really didn't want the answer. They just wanted to needle me. That's all they were after. But I'm going to tell you something. I ain't never been ashamed. I know who I believe. I know whom I trust. And I may not always have the right answers. I may not always have what I need. But I'm studying to show myself approved. I'm trying my best to walk through this life and be where God wants me to be and speak when I know God gives me to speak. And that's all God requires of us. Fight that fight of faith. He says a sound speech that cannot be. Sound speech is words of God's truth. They can't deny it. When you live the truth, people can't deny that. They don't like you maybe. They don't like your stand. You may look like their friend. You may act like their friend. You might be their neighbor. Talk to them every day. But as soon as you bring up Christ... As soon as you step up and say, but I love Jesus Christ, he's my best friend. You know what? They'll look at you and think you're a nut. I wish this guy would move. They'll hate you real quick. Christians, listen to me, are to keep to a higher standard for Christ's sake. Not to make people look at you. It's not about your glory. It's not about you standing and looking pretty. But I want God's name, his son, to be glorified in my life. Otherwise, my life's not worth living. Otherwise, he needs to remove me and put somebody here that will let his light shine, that will glorify him. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, 6, along with this, Titus 2.8, it says, But as we were allowed of God to be put into the trust with the gospel, this is Paul talking to the Thessalonians, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which tries our hearts. For neither is there at any time used, neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, which is greed, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet others. That means they don't want no self-praise. You don't need to praise me. Praise him. Praise him because if God gives me something to say and, he's, and I say it to you, praise him. Don't praise me. Because I promise you it was sent by him, not me. It's not my words. It's his words. It's not my opinion. It's his words. Yes, I love him. Yes, I want to be used of him. 
But more than anything, I have to keep this pure heart. I have to keep a pure life. I have to walk this righteous, godly life. And you know what? That's only that God will take me and count me worthy to be used of him. Not for your glory. It's not to lift you. Yes, you'll be exalted. Yes, you'll be feeling uh, like you've done God's will. And that's a great gift. Young people, God will take care of you. He will reward you. Yes, they may think you don't fit in. They may not call you when the party's going on. But I'll tell you truthfully, they will call you when, you, when they're in need of prayer, when they're in need of an encouraging word, something real, something true that will help them. That's why I'm telling you, young people, you can do this. God wants to get in you. He's telling, that's what this message is about. He's trying to get in you to encourage you to rise up. I ain't ashamed to be a child of God. Let me go on. 1 Timothy 4, 6 says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast, or thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, wives fables, and exercise thyself rather to godliness. For bodily exercise will profit you little, but godliness is profitable to all things. Praise God. I'd like to go work out, but I'd be about like, I think it was Trump or something, said, I've only got so many more steps in his legs, and I ain't going to wear them out on the road somewhere. <laughs> when I was young and I got too heavy, my wife was six months after we got married, I must have gained about 20 pounds, and I wasn't used to it. I come in from work at 2 o'clock in the morning one time, and I it was snowing out, and I went and got my uh, jogging pants on, and I went out and jogged in the snow. Because I was so miserable, and that's all I wanted to do was eat. I just opened up the, the what do you say, it? The, uh, the taste buds went crazy. Everything tasted good, and I wanted more of it. I didn't get uh, ice cream once a week. I got ice cream every day. And I watched over it to make sure nobody ate out of it. I loved it. But I'm going to tell you something that catches up with you. But bodily exercise will help you a little. But I'm going to tell you, godliness, exercise godliness, young people, and I promise you it'll profit you in all things. God, that's what God's requiring. That's what he's asking of us. Having promise of the life that now is. Listen to that. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise, having promise of the life that now is and that one which is to come. Young people, listen to me. When you start that walk with God and you be determined in your heart, I'm going to live for him and I'm going to represent him and I'm not going to let the devil tell me to sit out and I'm not going to let nobody discourage me or tell me I'm too young to walk with God. No, and I'll not only be I'll not only be promised the life that now is, but the one that's to come. Eternal life. Praise God. 
I'm looking, I looked at this, I began to read it, and I realized God's going right past every one of us, and he's calling somebody's name. He's speaking to our young people. Praise God. You want your young people to be blessed? I do. I see this line up here of all of them standing there, and I think to myself, Lord, I don't want one of them to be discouraged or to lose their way. I want them to hold on to you. They can do more. They got more energy to do more. They ain't got all those things in this life in their way. How to fit in, where to have their joy, where to have fun. No, let them find God and let him be their joy. And God will do great and mighty things through them. I want you to go back to Titus again. I want you to look at verse 9 and 10, two verses this time. It says, exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, nor pure loining. I'll get to this. Not pure loining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Now, I want you to understand, it says, exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters. Well, that rubs you the wrong way right there. Nobody likes to say, I got some master telling me what to do. And there, at the time of Rome, there was a lot of servants, a lot of slaves, people that was under bondage because Rome ruled, and you did it their way. And if you wasn't born a Roman, you was under a certain amount of rules and, and regulations, and you got hired, and, and, and your, even your whole family was made to work to pay off anything. You was owned or, or basically ruled by somebody. So there were servants and slaves. Today you think that don't go on. But I'm going to tell you something, Mother. We are servants to somebody. Just like then, we serve our workplaces. Our workplaces just about are the same way. If they tell you to do something, it might be completely wrong. How many has ever had that happen? You ever been to work and somebody say, do something, and you say, that ain't the right way to do it. I know the right way to do it. That ain't the right way. This guy don't know what he's talking about. But let me tell you something. God's telling us something here. Number one, he's telling you to submit. Submit. That's hard for us to do. But it says here, not answering again. That means don't talk back. Don't go out contradicting your boss. If he tells you, DJ makes a design he talked about this morning. He makes an airplane shell that they put the motor in, if I remember right, part of the time, maybe. I don't know. I'm not trying to blame you for all the airplane problems. <laughs> but I told him, I said, if something goes wrong, I'm going to think of you first thing. <laughs> but when he designs that and he hands it down to those who are supposed to design it or supposed to put it together, he expects them to do it his way. And you know what? A boss will tell you to, to do something, and a lot of times don't tell you all the, all the reasons why he's telling you to do it that way. But sometimes we got it in our mind. We'll not be told what to do by anybody. But I'm telling you, our Bible tells us. He's talking to it there about what, you, what your example is at your workplace. Sometimes we're poor examples, Christians. I'm telling you, and I've said this before, don't be no poor example in a restaurant. If you don't want to go out and eat and be patient and wait on people, best thing to do is go home. Fix it yourself or get through the drive-thru. And I know you'll lose your patience there too. 
not picking on nobody. I'm just telling you. God wants you to walk this. God wants you to live this out. He goes on to say, not pure loaning. That means don't steal. That means don't keep back for yourself. I had a, we had a guy at the railroad was stealing plastic garbage bags to the place where they finally called us all in and began to warn, and they already knew who it was. But you couldn't get him to stop. They, to him, they were free. He was just taking them all the time. And the railroad makes all this money, but they're griping about somebody's constantly walking back, walking home with bags and bags and bags of their garbage bags. That's, you know what? Don't even steal a little. Don't even cheat on your taxes. I mean, here's what I'm saying. You know what? We know that's right. But if somebody else is doing it, now let's do it. Let me tell you something. Be an example of Christ. Be an example of a changed heart and a changed mind. He says, not pure learning, but showing all good fidelity. That means be loyal, be reliable, be faithful worker. You should show good fidelity. When you show, when you show up to work, you should show up on time. You should show up ready to work. Not ready to gripe about what you're going to have to do all day. I'm not picking nobody. You know what? I had the hardest time, and I tell you right now, when they, when they, when they would have offered me money to stay home, I'd have probably stayed home too. But God shows me more things, and He showed me over the years. You know what? We need to be re representing Christ everything we do, everywhere we go. That's who we're supposed to be. Why that day that see us in this workplace? May, ad may adorn the doctrine of God and our Savior in all things. That means gospel that you proclaim, it needs to shine in your workplace. The gospel in you needs to shine. Somebody got to have it. Gospel, <laughs> the gospel needs to shine. And you know what that pure learning not only talks about people keeping back for themselves and stealing, but it's talking about sometimes we're just lazy and don't want to do it. So we do a half a job. I remember at the railroad, the, the boss sometimes would change the way we do stuff. And I had workers, and I used, to, I used to get into the middle of it because I was the engineer, and a lot of times we'd be out there as a crew, and we had to go out back there and, and spot cars and, and switch out different places. And I would, I would go back there, and I would find out that we're doing it, and then we're taking about three times the time we normally do, Duran. And I'm looking out there, and I'm seeing these guys just wandering around. We switched the same cars ten times. And I'm knowing these guys have done this all their life. They know what they're doing. They did it because the boss changed the way he, they wanted to do it, and they didn't like it, so they began to lay down on the job. Well, we're busy. We're moving all the time. But they ain't getting nothing done. Let me tell you something, that's not godly. That sets a bad example. That sets a bad, bad representation of Christ. If you're a changed person, and you know, I'm, my wife would tell you I'm guilty. I got a sign on the back of my car that says God's in control. Sometimes I don't drive like God's in control. So I can tell you right now, I fight this fight myself every day. But it's a battle. And when it talked about that keeping back for self, it made me think of 
Ananias and Sapphira in the fifth chapter of Acts, how they kept back for themselves. They want everybody to think they put in all they was going to give to the to the giving of the apostles. They were going to show they were be their name would be lifted up because they gave so much. But they made a private secret thing to hold it back and give only what they said it sold for instead of what really sold for. You say it was theirs. Yeah, even Peter told us. It was yours to do what you wanted. Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? See, sometimes we're lying to God when we try to portray that we're doing better than we really are. If we're not really getting on our knees and praying and reading his word, seeking him for the things that he's trying to do in us, then we blame everybody else why God ain't doing nothing in our life. But it's really us. And God's begin to start working on us to the place where he's trying to work on America, but they won't change. They won't repent of anything. They don't count sin, sin no more. So I tell you, I'm looking past that. God's looking past that. He's looking at the young. I don't care who you are or how quiet you are or what you think God's going to make you do. Don't worry about none of it. He's in charge. And he'll do a work in you that even you'll be dumbfounded. You'll say, I didn't, never thought I'd have done that. And sometimes you're a nervous wreck. But can I tell you, God is with you. He said, I'll go with you everywhere you go. Every time you open your mouth, I'm standing being pleased that you have the nerve to speak to, to those and stand in the gap for me. It ain't how good your words are. It, it's none of those. It's you just stepping up. I want to go on down in 1 Peter 2.12, it says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be by your good works, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Be an honest worker. Be a true worker. Your name, others will know you by the character that you carry by the person that you are. You're trustworthy. When you say you'll do something, you do your very best to make that completed. And you work. But I want you to hear something. It's bigger than that. I want you to listen to Ephesians 6, verse 5. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart, Here's the part that I want you to get. As unto Christ. As unto Christ. Everything that you do in faithfulness from your work, do it as you're doing it unto Christ. Don't look at that guy you can't stand that's telling you what to do. DJ, you got to look past you. Don't look at that guy they don't like. Don't look at that guy they think is going to do it his way. Look past that Christian and say, I'm doing this as unto God. I'm being faithful to be the, the worker that I should be. If, and it goes on to say, in verse 6, Not with eye service as men pleasers, 
but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You do it as unto the Lord. Everything you do it, do it with a true heart of God as unto the Lord. Almost done here. Now I want you to turn to Titus. I want you to go to the next two verses, 11 and 12. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 11 and 12. Number one, we're in God's grace. What is God's grace? It's the undeserved love of God. Did you know you're in God's grace and it's undeserved? You didn't deserve God's grace. It's his undeserved love for you. Undeserved. The love of God shown through Christ, through sending his son to pay for your sins and my sins. You know what? That's the love of God's grace shining to you and me. Then it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. I wrote down some things about worldly lust. Worldly lust stirs us to, listen to this, and I want you to hear it. It stirs us to look when we should not look. Listen to me. Worldly lust will make you want to look when you know you should not look. It's not God's telling you to look that way. It's your worldly lust inside of you. And it says, it also says, it tells you to do when you know you should not do. I mean, here's what I'm saying. It also says, be selfish and vicious when we should be sacrificial and kind. It also tells you to be sensual and immoral when we should be disciplined and pure. You know what? You go follow the worldly lust. Every time you follow the worldly lust, listen to me, just write down a few minutes afterwards. Write down the line afterwards. The guilt because the Holy Spirit convicted you. Praise God he loves you enough to tell you that's not me. That's I, The Holy Spirit lives inside. He tells me, when you invited me in, I come in to stay. But I want to tell you something. You're running me off when you take worldly lust and you follow worldly lust. Or you follow ungodliness. We have to understand every time the enemy tempts us. He's trying to get us there. The beautiful thing, I don't care who you are today or what you've done. The beautiful thing is God still will forgive you, pick you up. If you truly repent. That's the grace and the mercy of God that we don't seem to understand. Our world doesn't understand. They think it's all in how good works you do or how much money you give, or all the other things, but see, that don't account with God. He's looking at your heart. He's trying to save your soul. He's trying to prepare you for eternity. And he wants to keep you safe from the, every time the enemy comes to deceive you. 
on down in, uh, I'm not going to read it. Hebrew 9, uh, let me read a little of it. Hebrew 9, 13 says, For if the blood of bulls and goats, and at the end of that says, sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. More or less in the Old Testament, if the blood sacrifice of bulls and goats would purify you before God. It would purify what sin you had God told, put up the sacrificial system. You bring the give, the uh, offering, and you offer it, and you uh, put your hand on it when they kill it, and you sacrifice that innocent lamb or whatever, whatever it is for your sin. If that will do it, listen to what 14 says. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without God, to, without spot to God, purge your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. See, don't tell me you can't do this. Don't tell me, young people, it's too much. Don't tell me the Bible's too big, I couldn't read it anyway. I couldn't understand it if I tried. Yes, you can. Because when you have him inside, the one that wrote it, he'll begin to show it to you. And he'll begin to bloom to you and do things in your heart. See, young people's got a harder day today that we live, that they live than we lived in. The days years ago, people were very respectful toward church, toward godly people. They, I remember the day when they wouldn't allow and to sell alcohol on Sunday. There was laws. It wouldn't, you wouldn't see a bar open nowhere. I remember in Northside, where I where grew up, the first time they allowed one bar to stay open right in the middle of the day on Sunday, and it was the biggest squabble you ever heard because one of them was allowed to stay open for four hours. People don't have no standards. They don't try to stop anything going on today. I ain't picking it no what we're supposed to tolerate anything and everything but I'm going to tell you something as God's people you have to take your stand you have to get in this battle like I said last week the World War II veterans could not step out of going to war and say I don't feel like being a part of that no I just won't defend that no they went they stood up they went, faced death, many of them. They paid the price. Where are you? Where am I? Are we willing to pay a price for the gospel? Are we willing to stand and bear the cross that God gives us to bear in our generation? Because it's before us every day. You see it. He says in Romans 8.37, you've all heard this, Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I want you to get the last three verses. Titus back, Titus 2.13-15, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify, there it is again, unto himself what? A peculiar people. You know what? You guys are odd. And that's the American uh, uh, definition of peculiar, I guess. You guys are a little bit odd. 
When you live for Jesus Christ, the world does not understand it. You can have family members that do not understand your walk with God. Unless they know him, they don't understand it. But I'm telling you, he purifies you. And he makes you a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Praise God. When he calls it pe peculiar people, he's talking about, you know why we're peculiar? We're individually known by God. We're individually purchased by God. You hear what I'm telling you? Yes, his, yes, Jesus died for us 2,000 years ago, but can I tell you something? Unless you accept him as your Savior, you're still lost. You have to come and receive him into your heart and say, Lord, I want to be your child. From this day forth, if you'll forgive me, God, and you'll put your presence in me, I'll walk for you the best that I know how. And every time I fall down, make me fall down, God. Don't let me get away with nothing. Help me to walk this walk. And I promise you God is going to lift you up and he's going to call you his own. I don't know about you, but that's what this world needs. Our country needs that. Our elders need that. Our government needs that. Our churches need that. Last one I want to read. goes along with that. It says in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Again, you're a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God. It's okay to be strange. It's okay to be a Christian all the way. It's okay to stand in the gap and say, I don't know about you, but I ain't embarrassed when I find a true Christian. Dave, Dave met people the other day he hadn't saw, and he said, told the one lady, said, hey, let me pray with you. And she said, right here in the store? He said, oh, yeah. You know why? He ain't ashamed to pray for her. And I praise God. I told you a couple weeks ago when I went to the doctor, my wife, she was worried, thought, thought I was dying. So when the doctor said I was okay, gave me an aspirin, we went and got on the elevator, and she, was, she could not be still. She was so happy. She cried in the doctor's office, then she got in the elevator, and some black lady come in the elevator, and I want to tell you something, her and that black lady was having a revival in the, in the elevator. They was shouting and they was screaming and then all of a sudden the elevator doors opened and they didn't want to go out the door. No, I was standing in the middle of the lobby with all these people around and they're just praising God. And I just finally looked over and I said, honey, I'll go get the car. You take your time. I'll go get the car. But I tell you what, something. When you got something inside, you ain't ashamed of it. When you're happy because God answers prayer, Praise God. Don't be ashamed of him. He gave his life for you. He, he suffered all the shame that it took to bring me and you salvation, to bring me and you a new life. And we have it here. 
And I want my children, my grandchildren to have this gospel inside of them. They don't have to act like me, but please get a hold of Jesus. Because he'll do something in you that you ain't never saw. Last verse, which, come on back up, Becky. Which in time past were not a people. We used to not be his people. How many knows we weren't even peculiar people. We were lost people. But in times past, we were not a people, but are now the people of God. Praise God. Don't that make you feel good? I didn't used to be the people of God, but now I am one of them. You know, they used to say that about holy rollers. I used, I, I, what was I? I didn't used to be a holy roller. Now I are one or something like that. <laughs> Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Whatever's in your life, mercy's at the feet of Jesus. Hear what I'm telling you. Mercy is before him. When you come to the altar, you're not coming to us. You're not coming to sign some book. You don't want, we don't want your money. We're not after anything you're doing other than we want you to know who Jesus is. And you come to him. And you confess to him, not to us. I don't really want to hear it. I got my own problems. But the truth is, you know what? God puts presence of people around us that makes us know it's okay. We all come through that same door. It's okay. We'll pray for you. We'll pray with you. We're praying for you. We're praying to the same spirit in us that is Christ. We're praying that he would come into you, give you eternal life, change everything about you. Take the old man, crucify him and make you a new man. God's calling you to be the people of God, young people. Purified under Christ, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Listen to me, young people. You can do this. He will do it in you. God's calling you to be the people of God. Like I said at the beginning, don't seek the pleasures and rewards of now. But learn to wait on God's timing and He will reward you. Wait on God to do the rewarding. You may not get the rewards of what this world is. They're not going to, some people's going to find out you're a Christian and jerk that job out from under you. Some's going to do a lot of the opposites. We're children of God and don't think God don't see what's going on. He knows how to keep and take care of his own. Everyone stand. If there's one here that needs to pray, I want you to know that God is speaking to the young today. He is pulling and tugging on the hearts. You know why? We got young people that come here faithfully and I don't want them to feel like they haven't never arrived. They are arrived. They are people of God. And all they got to do is believe that God wants to use them. 
They can stand in a gap just the same as we stand in a gap. They can do this. Be nervy, young person. Be one of these like Samuel. Be nervy. Have the guts to say, you know what? I could follow the other way, but no, I'm going to walk the straight and narrow with him. I'm going to do just the opposite of what all my other friends think. Praise God. There are those God's calling for that purpose today. And I ask you to come. Bring your heart to him. Let him do a work in you. While they sing, you come.
Stay. 